Making him watch Psycho tomorrow for the first time. Yeah, that's something that we should address him down about. How dare you? No, you know, he'll probably like that one, though, at least. It's true. Yeah, I think he will. If, if he didn't like Halloween, but he did like Freaks, I'm going to go ahead and assume he will like Psycho. And, yes, and, so f- and then make him watch Halloween or uh, Psycho 2 and 3. I think the... I think Halloween's the only thing so far that he didn't care for. Um, Although there was something else we did recently that he just said it was not at all what he was expecting, but still liked it. Return of Living Dead? Yes. Thank you. That was it. Damn it. I knew I should have invited them on the show. He liked it. He was, (laughs) but after watching Night, he was just thinking it was going to be more serious. He wasn't expecting comedy. Yeah. Or somebody with their vagina covered up with a prosthetic piece for some reason. I mean, nobody <laughs> ever expects that. Especially oh. not from Lenny Quigley. Poor half dog. No, oh, still bums me. <laughs> still makes uh, me smile, quite frankly. So, no. <laughs> so important note, though. Make him, yeah. make him watch Psycho and be like, oh, this is Anthony Perkins. And then the next week. Uh, make him watch Edge of Sanity so he can see Anthony yes. Perkins so, eye level with a prostitute's butthole. <laughs> I'm going to guess you've probably never seen that movie, Scott. No, I have not. It is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde retelling with Anthony Perkins. Yeah. But yeah, the opening scene is uh, something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Something Perkins involving a prostitute's butthole is what I'm guessing. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Anthony Perkins goes full pervert in that movie, like to a to a level that may be obscene in some countries. <laughs> uh, nice. It says Merry Christmas, like talking about prostitutes and their buttholes. Speaking of prostitutes and their buttholes, we're talking about Christmas horror movies <laughs> that were just recently released. <laughs> so you've mastered segues. Is that what's happened? Yep. Turn your back on a Scott, and that's what we figure out. Yep. <laughs> at, least he, at least he didn't say, speaking of prostitutes and their buttholes, oh, come all ye faithful. <laughs> <laughs> Your guys' commentary is inappropriate for the holiday season. (laughs) (laughs) But what's not inappropriate for the holiday season is Santa beating up some hostage takers. Uh, Noah, why don't you tell us about Violent Night? Uh, Sure. So we've got like kind of dejected Santa who's, who's kind of like pissed off and tired and he's been doing this whole thing for a long time. Uh, he's getting wasted in bars and throwing up on a lady, which is really fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) I just, the juxtaposition, uh, the juxtaposition of her looking up and seeing this lane going, oh my God, he really is Santa Claus. And then immediately getting fucking vomited on. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. Uh, so we also have a family who's going through some troubles. Husband and wife are 
on the outs, but they're going to a family Christmas. It turns out that his family is a bunch of like vapid loaded assholes. Yeah. Uh, like billionaire level loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Billionaire loaded bullshit. And John Leguizamo and his cadre of uh, Christmas code named themed guys. Uh, basically take everyone hostage, kill all the workers in the house and are there to still steal uh three. Was it $300 million? Yeah. Yeah. $300 million that supposedly they have in their safe. Uh, and in amongst them is one little girl who is actually a child on the nice list. And so Santa's got to fuck some motherfuckers up to protect that <laughs> little girl. And in the process, get back his Christmas magic. That is a true yeah, statement. Be- because coincidentally, he's delivering presents at the same time that the heist is going down. Yeah. Uh, he actually fell asleep in the massage chair. Right. <laughs> As you do. As you do. Listen, if your work sent you somewhere with a massage chair, you'd try it out. <laughs> um, we got John, John Leguizamo and then David Harbour as Santa Claus. Yeah. From the sounds of it, it sounds like we're all pretty positive on this movie. Uh, yeah, I think th- that was a given. This was, the, this was the best two hours of 2022 for me. Really? That's really? High, high praise. Or, I mean, or nothing positive to say about the rest of the year. I'm not sure which one that is. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't remember everything that happened this year, but there weren't that many highlights. But damn it, this was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for some reason, this movie was showing an IMAX. So I made sure to watch it in IMAX because I got to pass that shit up. Mm. I also and saw it in it IMAX. Worth, it was worth it. Twice. <laughs> saw that shit twice? Yeah, I saw it twice. Nice. If I didn't have other plans on Sunday and Monday, I would have been right there with Noah seeing it a second time. <laughs> I almost went back a couple of times. I was like, damn it, I can't squeeze it in, but really want to. <laughs> did you take your wife to see it? No, no, she did not go. She needs to see it. That would have been enough of an excuse. I, I do think that it's like when I first went to see it, I was like, yeah, there's no way in hell that I'd ever bring her to, to see that she'd never be interested. But I also went in pretty blind. Um, I had seen one trailer that was really, really not spoilery, like to the point that I didn't even know that this was actually Santa. When I saw it, Um, I knew it was about a killer Santa, but had no idea that it was the real guy or that it was, him as a good guy i just i had, I didn't know what to expect but with a movie that has the word violent in the title it's like yeah pretty much she's out um but what i did tell her when i came home and you know without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of the movie i was like you know it kind of hit everything you know regardless of what kind of christmas movie fan you are it kind of satisfied because there was a lot of good comedy in it there was obviously all of the violence and the action, but then there was also a really good kind of touching Christmas message to it also. So it's like if she's willing to kind of turn her head during the really gruesome violent scenes, I actually do think she would enjoy it. 
maybe a better home viewing experience than yes probably yeah some the 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 surround sound um snowblower and (laughs) grenades are probably not something you could squirm away from that easily (laughs) even though it was in the trailer i still enjoyed that scene where he stuffs that grenade down that dude's pants and he looks at the camera he's like i gotta watch i know (laughs) (laughs) i was actually explaining that scene to a co-worker today because he was I was telling him it's like yeah it's 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 violent you know there's all the these kills but there's this great humor to it and you know santa santa is in on it he's not just you know this vindictive asshole he and i i described that scene where he's just like this reluctance like ah, I, I gotta watch it you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean i got I think the most Santa-ish part of the whole movie is whenever he's talking to the little girl and she goes, kick their ass <laughs> or, or shove it up his ass. And he's like, oh, don't don't do that. You're on the nice list. Don't yeah, <laughs> we're, we're trying to stay on the nice list here. <laughs> he's like, can we say butt? And he's like, ah, that's really pushing it. And she's like, can I do anus? And he's like, I mean, that's technically the word. <laughs> it is the anatomical word. So, yeah. <laughs> I loved his exact line when she says, can we say butthole? And he goes, that's borderline. Like, he's like, because like, like, I like you, I'd let you get away with that. But we all know I could use that against you if I wanted to. That's the attitude he has. <laughs> I, I really thought one of the show stealers of the movie is uh, Krampus. Oh, the character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In which that's played by what's his face that I can't remember his goddamn name. But he's in uh, Freddy versus Jason. Brendan Fletcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's also in fucking Alone in the Dark. One of the one of the shittiest. (laughs) He was. He was the cab driver. That's unfortunate. Totally. Yeah, but no, I love Brendan Fletcher when I see him and stuff. He's great. Yeah. But I don't know his his level of psycho in this is so fucking great. He really takes it up a notch compared to all the other people there who are like seem to be there to do their job professionally. He's like, nah, I'm going to enjoy this. Like just his whole attitude the whole time is great. Although there there are the two characters um, that get caught up in basically the home alone scene who. I don't know, I would say if I had any criticism of the whole movie, it's that the tone keeps shifting and it was trying to meet a lot of different genres which it did successfully but maybe shifted a little bit too much because there there's the scene where john Leguizamo and the the two other characters it's the older guy and the the kind of short-haired blonde girl frosty and um, candy cane okay um they they're they're talking to him and he he does something i mean is it i think when he goes up the chimney and they're both convinced, like, maybe it really was Santa. And they have this almost like slapstick comedy routine of, is it really Santa? And I think John Leguizamo looks like he's got about to slap both of them. But it it pulled me out a little bit because it was almost too comedic um, compared to how, you know, every other character was acting in the moment. But I don't know. I get what you're saying about that moment. There are better moments where they do it. Whenever the uh, the kill team shows up and they're all out there and he's like, yeah, we've got some dude running around in a Santa suit killing people. And they're like, OK, we got to get him and stuff. And then she goes, 
he might be the real Santa. And they go, what? And she's like, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that that was a way that it was done a little more subtle, you know, and, and I appreciated that one. But um, and even the whole Home Alone scene to, you know, come as a you know whole whole thing was I like what they did with it because it seemed so obvious. And then, you know, the the tricks that or the traps that she set were not going the way that you thought. But, um, yeah, it, it worked, but also felt a little out of place for the rest of the movie. But I just felt I, like who has that many bowling balls in one place in their house? That's the part I had an issue with. I'm like, was, like, well, they just kept coming. That, <laughs> the old guy getting fucked up is so great because it's basically like it, it It really is Marv in Home Alone. It's like yeah. it, it's, it's <laughs> all the things that happened to him. But they're like, but this is like the R-rated version of it. Right. Fucking right. nail through the jaw. Jesus. Oh, that, that was tough to watch. Him falling, him falling on that pad of nails more than once is pretty great. <laughs> like, like having to tear himself off of it, standing up and then getting hit with a bowling ball and landing on it again. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, they even had the the glue on the floor and the bare feet. Like it was clearly, clearly Home Alone homage, and and there were other scenes too that were you know homages to lots of different Christmas movies. It was very clear that the director had seen several of them and was like, "We're gonna take all of these," and it was like take Bad Santa and Krampus and Home Alone and just die hard and throw them all together in a blender and here you go yeah yeah i only have i think i only have two complaints in the whole movie and they're so fucking minor the scene where john leguizamo tells the story of his bad christmas and why he hates christmas so much is a badly written scene that that line is really forced to be in there a little bit yeah yeah so that was just a little bit of bad writing and then I think the end of the movie could have been a little tighter. It kind of it, it it hits on such a good note, and then it meanders for a bit. It, well, if we're getting into our complaints about the movie, I didn't really love when they gave Santa's backstory. Oh, I was just going to point that out as a good point. Oh, really? So I just felt like it was more fun if we didn't know any of this. Like. Like the idea of just like an average everyday Santa with no skills being put through this rather than um, somebody who has the training in that. I think it made it worked for me because it wasn't overly explained. Like they said, oh, it's hundreds of years old. They gave his name. He liked to kill people with a hammer because he was, quote, mean. But that was it. Like I was actually kind of intrigued. And I was like, wait, I want to know this version of Santa. Like, how did he become or go from being this Norwegian barbarian into the guy who now has to give out presents every year? Like, there's another story there. And the fact that it wasn't told kind of intrigued me, but it helped to explain why he wasn't, you know, the Santa from the Rudolph special who just got tired of this one day and started killing people. Like, that would have felt forced. I do love the fact that at one point he just points out that Rudolph exists. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> He's like, He's just Rudolph like Rudolph doesn't. Done yeah, yeah, Rudolph doesn't pull this shit. Like, <laughs> so fucking funny. Uh, I don't know. See, I was I was kind of into the Viking background thing 
and the fact that although I like the fact that they don't overly explain it, but I dislike the fact that it's clearly they knew that there was a chance that this movie was going to be a monster hit. And that just sets up a sequel oh, to, yeah. to yeah, explain like, him how he became. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a prequel built into this. It yeah. seems. Um, yep, they're already talking sequel because this movie is done way better than they thought it was going to. Well, I, I mean, it has such crossover appeal that like. Like I went and saw it with somebody who never watches horror films. But they're like, I got to see this, you know, and it's like, OK, no problem. Like, I, I really thought I, I think the most surprising thing, I thought we were going to get some kind of a cameo at the end of the movie of who Mrs. Claus is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder because it sure I was like, they keep referencing her through the whole movie. And I was like, are they really going to go to the end of the movie? And they keep talking about that character and they're never going to show her on screen. And then they just never do. What if it's one on a writer? Wonder, makes me wonder too if there aren't any deleted scenes that got cut that maybe include that or maybe something too. Yeah, should probably, should probably be in the sequel. How, how about how about whenever he kills Leguizamo by pulling him up the chimney? Oh my God. <laughs> I, like. I try to be quiet when I'm in a movie theater, but it was so hard not to applaud when that happened. <laughs> I was so happy when he went up the chimney and you just see him like there's because it's it's like they set it up so perfectly where that hut has like burned down around them and it's like just the chimney. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you knew the chimney was involved, although I didn't picture it going where it did. Yeah, it, it honestly didn't occur to me that that's what was going to happen at all until it like happened and which is exactly the right how you want things to do. Right, right. So I was like, just it just made me smile so much. Yeah, your your talk about um, or comment about people making comments or whatever in the theater. When I saw this, it was a Saturday afternoon and there were maybe three, four dozen people in the theater. And I would say for the first half of the movie, everybody was really quiet. Nobody was talking. And by the second half, like people started to realize, I think like we were in a collective area where we're all fans and we were all having fun. So yeah, we all just started laughing at scenes and even like when the, as soon as the snowblower got fired up, like people just started laughing because they knew <laughs> something was coming and it was, it was a perfect crowd to watch this with because you could tell we were just all in it, having a great time. And, Probably if I would have turned around, I would have seen, you know, three dozen smiles, you know, in that room right at any given point. I went on opening night and there was not a lot of people in my IMAX screening. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I was disappointed by how empty the theater was whenever I saw it. But apparently it's made more money than they thought it was going to. So that's all that matters. It was such yeah. a, going back to the chimney thing. What a great line. The the line of not if you still believe. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he kept referencing his Christmas magic too. And he's like, Yeah, I don't I don't really know how it works. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> that, that was the only line that redeemed the ending to me because I, I was really kind of groaning when he dies and then it's like, oh, clearly he's going to come back. And he does because it's like this, you know, it's like a, the scene from the end of Elf where because everybody starts saying, well, I believe, too, like that's enough to bring him back. And I was just like, oh, God, like this is a little too cheesy. But then when he does come back and he's just like, 
yeah, I don't really understand how the fuck it works. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> well, yeah, I was fine with it working that way simply because they'd already hit on so many movie tropes. So why not grab the one from Elf where the magic comes back as he's, as everyone believes, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like they, well, there there really was no other way to end the movie because if you can't have Santa just killed off, like that seems not that seems like it wouldn't fit with this character, you know, who's magical and has lived forever. Like that seems impossible. But at the same time, you can't have him be immortal and invincible because then all of the risk and danger that he's gone through was pointless. So. It, yeah. it it is the best way to do it. Um, so I it, mean, it works to whatever extent this Santa was just John McClane. Um, you know, you can have a character who's effectively immortal and unkillable, but still make the audience believe that he could die. If you're a good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. true. I thought they were going to pull a Santa Claus and the dad would have to become Santa Claus. Oh yeah. And I was kind of like, Oh no. I pulls, pulls the card out of the jacket. Yeah. I was going to say third, third complaint about the movie. The fucking rich kid doesn't die, man. I wanted that kid to die. So bad. I wanted to watch <laughs> that kid die. I really wanted to watch that like fucking influencer wannabe shithead die. Like, no, I, not, o- not only did he not die, but did you see that he's in the, uh, he's got a little stinger in the credits. Yeah, he's right. got a post post credit scene, yeah. Oh, I don't. I didn't stay for that. I didn't know about that. It's yeah. it's mid credits. It's not at the end, but yeah, like after they do kind of the main cast and the 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 main credits, it's a scene of him standing over standing over somebody's body. I forget who, and he's. I think it's. I think it's Krampus, and he's like, "This guy's fucking dead, y'all." <laughs> but he's like, "You, you got to believe, you know, believe peace, you know, or something." But yeah. Yeah, he goes. He goes. This guy's fucking dead, man. <laughs> fucking Santa killed him. Santa's real, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's pretty good, actually. That might have redeemed that character. <laughs> uh, I did like when he's going through his bag trying to find like a weapon that he could use, and he just keeps like video game, video game, video game. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> finally finds fun. a baseball bat. Um, also speaking of characters who were not redeemable I was really surprised how much I liked the um, action star boyfriend because I thought for sure that that he was just going to drive me nuts and I was going to hate him but he actually ended up being really fucking funny (laughs) he was funny Oh he's God. like kicks he the guy the- and then jumps out the window and he's like his wife is like she's he's gonna come back and save us he's like he just ditched us <laughs> i was gonna say whenever he gives the fucking mom the pitch deck for christmas yes. <laughs> <laughs> giving her the gift of opportunity <laughs> that was genius um well what's funny about this the casting too is have you any of you watched the um, show the righteous gemstones. Edie Patterson is a national treasure, and I just want her in everything <laughs> because she's basically playing the exact same fucking character. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was. She was in Vice Principals. She's in the Righteous Gemstones. She's fantastic in everything. 
yeah, very good casting. Uh, sledgehammer uh, gore. That was fun. Yeah, that that scene in the shed, which I feel is maybe a commando tribute. <laughs> most of us would see, but some people wouldn't. But when he's <laughs> swinging that thing around. Um, <laughs> yeah, when he's when he's swinging that around and he's grabbing things off the shelf to throw at guys and shit, I'm like, oh, fuck, I was so happy. Isn't it? Oh. It's like a weird Brian Adams Christmas Carol playing in the background. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, breaks, that was the he breaks scene, a man. lot of knees in that scene. He does. That's a smart move. You take the people down and then you can crush their head against the ground. If you just hit him in the head with a hammer while they're standing up, that might not kill him. It just knock him over. Got to think things through. Yeah, that whole kill montage is when the when my smile got full force. <laughs> Scott's heart grew three sizes that day. It did, man. God, I was so happy. <laughs> The whole thing of him being in contact with the little girl and she's like trying to motivate him to get up and kill everybody too. is just so great. Well, and it's again, this is the, the good acting, but just to watch him go through his evolution of, you know, at first he's just completely burned out. Doesn't want to have anything to do with any of it. Then he's almost doing the bad Santa thing where, yeah, he's going through the houses, but he's mostly just bitching about how most of the cookies are hand- homemade or or not homemade or all the Amazon boxes. He's looking for the booze in the, the bar um, and then kind of does that moment where he's just like, God damn it. I guess I do have to save her. But, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, th- this reluctance, but he ends up turning out to be one of maybe my favorite Santas from a Christmas movie. Like by the end, he's very genuine and sympathetic like i was very impressed with how it played out the thing with movies like this is people always think like okay you have the big action scenes you have the big gore moments and the big laugh moments and that's all you need but the reason this movie is so great is because on top of all that it's also got this outstanding performance which shows us a genuine character arc and it gives us somebody to root for and someone to care for in the movie as you're watching this, you really want Santa to get his Christmas spirit back. You, you, you really, you're really hoping, and you pretty much know it's going to happen because you. Not, not this, I should have asked. This wasn't anybody's first movie, right? So we all know how <laughs> movies work. Like you, you know what's, you know it's going to happen. But to follow him on that journey and to watch him go from just like not giving a shit anymore and just going through the motions to wanting to save everyone by the end. And taking those steps and, you know, it, 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 it really takes a solid performance to be able to do all the nonsense and still make us care about the character. Right. And right. David Harbour, so he's a really good actor. He's able to pull it off. No problem. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you guys catch the sneaky elf reference? Which one? So toward the end of the movie, when the kill team's getting ready to show up and it kind of shows them and it, it has them all lined up on their snowmobiles oh, yeah. revving oh, yeah. the engines. Yep. And yeah, it, it's, it's like a direct copy of the scene where the Texas Rangers show up to the park. Yeah. The, or the, not, not the Texas says, Rangers, the park Rangers, the park Rangers. Yeah. It says like, yeah, they're on the naughty list and have never got never forgiven me or something like that. Even. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the, the like I said, the references to all of the different Christmas movies are very, very thick. And yeah. even to – I love that he was using the naughty list as his way of calculating or you know, keeping tabs of which villains he still needed to take out, just like John McClane writing them down on his arm. Like it's the same yeah. thing. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, they were smart enough to, to like – they name drop Home Alone. They show you the diehard Blu-ray at one point. He pulls it out of his sack, right? And it's like by doing those things, it's like, look, we're not ripping these movies off. We're homaging them. And there is a difference, right? And they're letting the audience know, like, we get it. Don't We don't think we're doing something original when with our Santa, like, dieharding his way through this. Yeah, and I mean, if, if um, in this movie, Santa had fucked that bartender at the – British pub instead of puking on her, it would have been the beginning of Bad Santa too. Like I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, they even cast uh, Beverly D'Angelo as the uh, evil yep. rich mom, right? Which am I the only one who in no way recognized her and was shocked when I saw the credits at the end? And I'm like, wait, who the fuck was she? <laughs> nah, <laughs> it took me a while. It, so. like, it took me like partway through the movie, but it was bugging me because I'm like, I recognize her, but I can't place it. Yeah, she, she has had a lot of shit done to her face. Well, and what's weird is like I was supposed to see this in Christmas Vacation on the same night. So like originally I I went to see Christmas Vacation, then I went out to grab a bite to eat, then I was going back to the theater. But while I was having a bite to eat, I lost track of time. And then it was like, well, I could go to the late show, but then I'll have to hang out at this bar until the late show. And then I won't be able to see the movie. So I had to go back the next night and see the other movie. But it would have been funny to see two Beverly D'Angelo movies in a row <laughs> by mistake. Uh, all right. Anything else about Violent Night other than it's just awesome? No, it's, it's, I must, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to become a yearly watch for everybody. For I just sure. can't wait for it to be on DVD because I want to go buy it like right now. It's It's honestly, it reminds me of like when I saw Elf in theaters and I was like, oh, my God, like they've created a new Christmas classic and that doesn't happen very often. Like lots of movies come out around the holidays. Not very often is one like instinctively I see it and I go, yep, watching it every December for the rest of my life. And this is now one of them. It's there's no way I'm not going to watch this every year. So agreed. Uh, all right. Uh, Scott, do you want to run down uh, Christmas, bloody Christmas? Even though by process process of elimination, this is the one you didn't like. Yeah. Um, and plot wise, there's not a whole lot going on. It's basically like there was the the stories. There's some army robots that have been decommissioned for use in the military, and instead they're being reprogrammed as display Santas. Um, they're animatronics. I don't even know for what purpose, because the only one we see in the movie is in a toy store on a display case. Um, But they're there. We see through news clips like, yeah, they've been recalled. Like there's there's problems with them. So we know what this is going to be. But a story revolves around a girl who's the manager at a record store, her and her coworker, who's trying really hard to get in her pants, um, basically are closing down the record store for the night on Christmas Eve. Uh, they're drinking at the store. Then they decide to go to a toy store where some friends of theirs work and drink there for a little while. 
Then they leave and go to a bar where they drink some more. Um, meanwhile, the other two people stay at the toy store where they start fucking. And then Santa comes alive and kills both of them. Then and the first couple leaves the bar, goes back to her house where they drink some more. And then Santa gets loose from the toy store, comes to their house for some reason, decides he's going to stalk her for the whole movie. Um, kills her sister and her sister's boyfriend. And then, kills some cops, kills some ambulances, chases her back to the record store and they have a final fight. And then the end. Yeah. Terminator plus Christmas minus time travel. Basically. Yes. So what didn't you like about it, Scott? I I had three, three criticism or three things that just didn't work for me. And it, they, they sound weird, but and they're not things that have bothered me at any movie before, but or at least two of them haven't. But the first one is this movie was visually just really, really overstimulating. Like every scene either had some sort of weird filter on it where like they did this 80s grain um, film stock thing, which I didn't understand why, because well, the movie takes place in modern time. Well, it's a blowout. They're doing uh, basically lens flare blowout with the neons. Yeah, which I'm kind of, I was actually kind of into it. I kind of like I, I, stylized I, movies like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back and say yeah, that's one of the things I liked about the movie was that visual style. Uh, and um, the fil- the film grain was actual grain too. Okay, yeah. so yeah, there was the grain yeah. and then the snow. That was one piece, but then the rest of it was just. The lighting, and maybe this is what you guys are saying you liked, like there wasn't a single scene that felt like it was lit normally. Like, because when they were in the toy store or the bar or the record store, it was dark and yeah, there were just the neon lights. Then when they were in her house, it was dark and the neighbor's Christmas lights were flashing red and green. So it was just kind of like red or green floodlights back back and forth was what was lighting the scenes then they leave there and it's you know for the rest of the movie there's either a cop car or an ambulance nearby but the bright flashing red to blue strobe lights were just really really too much for me and i i kept having to look away because that coupled with the darkness of the movie itself too much like my my eyes needed a break they needed a normal scene to just be able to focus on and I, I totally get the complaint about the strobing bit. The strobing was annoying. I don't know. See, to me, it all it made it all feel more like a cheap '80s movie, and that's what I liked about the aesthetic of the film. I'm kind of annoyed they didn't just set it in the '80s. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would have fit a little bit more, and and even the effects. Like, I didn't have a problem with it because, like I said, I've. I've never complained about that in a movie before. So I think it's just that it was so overdone, like give us a break at some point, but it was literally nonstop every scene. In the interest of fairness to the filmmakers, it was, it is a Christmas movie that takes place entirely in one night. So there was no real time for them to be like, they were in all these businesses that were closed. So most of the lights were off. They were, out on the street and it's dark and there's lots of Christmas lights around like that is okay. 
but feeding but, into the natural setting of the film. But even the one scene where they could have given us a little bit of respite was when she's in the police station and she goes to the bathroom and the lights flickering in there too. Like it's, it's, yeah. there's something wrong with the electricity and the light keeps going on and off. So it's just, it was a strobe oh. effect the whole damn movie. Yeah. That's just one of those light switches from bathrooms in the eighties that just flickered like that. <laughs> they, they just did that. <laughs> if you've seen enough horror movies, it you was know the, that it was, it was the, was the interference from all the spark factories. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I, I struggled with was, was similar, but instead of being a visual distraction was the, the dialogue just was way too much for me. And it wasn't the script. I think the script was fine other than, and I'm not a prude, but I swear to God, the word fuck was used in every other or every single sentence of this movie. And for me to take notice of that was was something because was, like yeah it was there was definitely a, an attempt by the filmmakers to be like crude and vulgar and rude throughout the film and it i wouldn't it didn't offend me in any way but i've definitely thought like it comes across as kind of like lazy writing a little bit right they, they just keep like oh those two are gonna fuck and it's like you know it's constant like sexual references and bad words that you you know you know you think are gonna get people's attention and that and it, like say it, it's it, uh, but again that fed into the what again what i liked about the movies it felt like a direct dvd movie from 1988 and that's what they that's what that's the lazy writing that you would have seen in those movies too so fair well if- I was going to say, see, I don't I don't even know if it was lazy. I think it I, I'm not familiar with these folks that made this movie enough, but it sure seems like they have very specific tastes. And I think mm-hmm. they just made a movie to their own taste because the whole movie is nothing but this whole kind of indie indie metal shop, indie movie making straight to video was low rent disc store kind of thing that they're it was, doing. It was and sort I, of I weird that they, they went from like an independent music store to an independent toy store to a bar where the owner is working the bar on Christmas Eve. So it's right. obviously not like a big chain place. You know what I mean? It was It's like, I get what you're trying to do here. Like you're trying to create this atmosphere, but it's a little much. Right. And they're arguing about like which Chris Cornell album is the best album. And I like I I get it. That girl hated music from 1996. Yeah, it's hated the year 1996. It's way it's way too inside (laughs) baseball. And I thought the funniest thing is watching this movie and, and seeing the way that girl behaves and stuff. I'm like, you know what? That is the fucking psychopath that I used to date all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. so glad I found my wife and and broke the cycle of self destruction that I was on. <laughs> oh, she's, so I was she's like ten years ago. I would have been like, she's so hot. I was saying, but you were still, you were still attracted to her. Don't act like you weren't. Yeah. She's exactly after she the lost kind of all the fingers. Though. When you uh, when you go into the the record shop though, and then that girl's behind the counter, and you're like, yeah, like you, you're really into her, and then you get to know her, and you're like, this could be a dangerous train. I'm glad, <laughs> like it's. <laughs> well, but it used to be. I'd be like, ooh, this is a dangerous train. I'm climbing <laughs> on, and then I get on it, and I'm like, oh, oh fuck, this is a dangerous train. <laughs> I know. Nobody's I driving. I Nobody's driving in the fun way. <laughs> uh, and you know, and then I guess related to that, and 
it's funny that Noah just kind of said like, oh yeah, they were arguing about Chris Cornell. Like that was the other thing about the dialogue in this is that I feel like every single conversation that was had was just two people yelling at each other. It was her and the guy yelling at each other over like in a friendly way, but they were yelling about music artists and what they were going to do that night. Then they were yelling at her sister about, you know, you know, shut up, stay down, be quiet. Then she goes to the cops and like, she's yelling at the cops because they're not listening to her. They're yelling at her for, I don't know why, like it made no sense to me why they were so mean to her. Um, because they even, there's even a line of dialogue where they say, you know, she's like, I didn't kill anybody. They're like, yeah, we know you didn't kill anybody, but they're yelling at her while they're, while they're saying it. Like they're just being mm-hmm. belligerent because that's what I assumed the director said was just everybody yelled the word fuck a whole lot and then film it. But yeah, just all of that together, like the, the visual, the lights, the, the flashing, the strobing, and so many people just yelling profanities for an hour and a half. Like I just, <laughs> I needed a break <laughs> by the, by the time it was all done. Yeah. Well, to be, to be fair, it is a high intensity film. And I think they want you to need a break. Sounds like you didn't enjoy needing that break, but that's fine. That's a matter of personal perspective. Well, and I guess the high intensity part of it is where it kind of failed for me because I mean, to be perfectly honest, I was, I was bored by this movie and I I texted my wife when I was about an hour in, I was like, I'm bored. And I, that is a sentence that I should never say when I'm watching a movie about a killer robot Santa with laser eyes like that, that doesn't make sense in my brain, but somehow, yeah, this movie bored me. Yeah. It takes, the movie does take way too long to get going. I think once it goes, it's great. Uh, I think, yeah, I think again, I think this is low budget filmmaking and, this is how a lot of movies went when you were renting those directed DVD 80s horror films, but our brains work differently now and our brains are now like don't have the patience, you know, when I think it would have helped too, because I, I was I was trying to take that mentality. I think you're right, Doug. And I was trying to look at it from more of a 80s slasher perspective And I think that, you know, for the most part, those movies fall into one of two categories. There are the ones that are just kind of nonstop kills, huge body count. They're just super fun to watch and and sit through. Or there's the ones that know that they don't have the budget for the kills. They don't have the body count, but they're going to have make an attempt at a story. And I feel where this one kind of fell in the middle somewhere was there there really wasn't much of a story because we didn't have enough characters to get behind the characters that we had we didn't really learn much about but also i didn't feel like the kills were all that spectacular either there were a couple standout but it it didn't keep me going with like yes lots of kills but it also didn't give me anything to watch otherwise well, I don't. Okay, so you described the two type of slasher movies that you remember watching, but what about the other ninety percent of the slasher movies that came out, which were fifteen minutes of good kills and then a bunch of bad dialogue to make them feature length? And I'm not saying that the stories were good in those, but I feel like they at least tried. And I mean, I mean, these guys went to a toy store, then to a bar, then to her apartment. They burn nachos. That's easily <laughs> for a slasher film. Easily enough plot for a slasher film. I forgot the nachos. You're right. I I, I 
I take back everything I said. Have <laughs> <laughs> we, we fucking mentioned the scene where the headless corpse of a child is thrown through a window? Because that's pretty fucking great. Listen, <laughs> listen, that corpse going through that window is the least interesting thing. Because when the guy then uses the headless corpse as a human shield... Yeah, my eyes lit up with joy like the Christmas spirit flowed through my body in that moment oh. as he's hiding underneath that body and then when fucking killer Santa just uses his pickaxe or whatever to pull the body up and toss it aside I'm like yeah motherfucker that's awesome that wasn't the uh, children's corpse by the way that wasn't the children's whose corpse was that yeah, that was the dad that got the axe in the back was it I guess when it was the yeah. because it was no, so it- small no, because he was wearing because he was wearing the uh, white uh, baseball tee with the red sleeves. Is that right? Yeah. Well, then then the dummy they used when they awesome. threw the threw the body away was too small to be a dad's body. I think <laughs> it was. Yes. That's my that's my criticism of the film. Yeah. Scott has, has his big things. <laughs> like that dummy was a little small. <laughs> I was going to say I have a theory that judging by the uh, the practical special effects that they were doing that I think the reason why we don't get more on-screen kills is I think they had some special effects that just didn't fucking work. That's Because the way it's edited in certain spots, you're like, yeah, that's that's a cutaway because whatever prop they made fucking sucked. Well, and I think, too, that they spent, you know, a good portion of their budget, you know, rightfully so, on a Santa that looked completely badass, you know, there at the end when it's, all sparking and wires and it's like that was not a cheap prop to make and it was functional and moved appropriately so you know kudos to the props department for that they did they pulled the whole i don't know if it was on purpose or not but did you guys notice that it had a very hardware ending where it's like that robot Uh, santa dies about eight times well i was gonna bring up uh so joe bagos was on a podcast i listened i listened to and during his interview, he said uh, the movie Terminator is what made him want to be a filmmaker. And he took uh, direct inspiration from hardware for this movie. Okay. Okay. So, That's fair. I was going to say, because that ending, once, I was so. like, this person's seen hardware because this has to be a reference to that. Because yeah. he's they've put down this robot about 12 times and then it gets back up and starts going again. Yeah, and he said he shot the film on Super 16. Which he said nowadays uh, looks like 80s 35 millimeter. So that's why the grain thing we mentioned earlier. That's I, uh, was, I don't understand why the movie wasn't just set in the 80s. Like there's so many 80s references in this. There's more 80s references in this than there were in the original Terminator, which is set in the 80s. Um, because like at the one filmmaker point, couldn't have put all their opinions about fucking Chris Cornell. It's, into just, this that, movie. it's just because they wanted to bitch about 1996 and make that Blumhouse reference. That's all it was. Yep. Um, because, yeah, like there's a point in this movie where she's hiding in a store and she's leaning up against a thing. And I'm like, she's there's VHS on that shelf. Yeah. What kind of store is selling it has a shelf of VHS port in 2022 or whatever? Uh, there's one here in my town, actually. They're they're yeah. way overpriced, and I've never seen one actually rotate off the shelf, but they're there. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did really like so I did once again, I know we were <laughs> there were some complaints about the lighting, but I do like the way the filmmaker was kind of contrasting the similarities between like the, the neon oversaturation and then Christmas lights the exact same way. 
Yeah, it felt like there was a message there. I kind of picked up on that. Yeah. It's like, it's subtle, and it might not even be intentionally a message. Like, it might not be like, look at how these businesses use the same kind of lights as Christmas, and maybe Christmas is too commercial. Or it might just be, I like this kind of lighting, and here's two different ways to get it. Right. I think I think it might also just be the, uh, just a completely, it's just a purely aesthetic comparison, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, they look at how similar these these two lighting situations are and you're like okay no i get it i get it i get the yeah. pinks the pinks and the purples when we're in the the metal shop and then the greens and the reds when we're yeah. in christmas town yeah yeah i was warned beforehand that the first half was dialogue heavy and then once everything gets to go on it kind of picks up so I didn't have any problems with, uh, with all that stuff. Yeah, my issue isn't that it's dialogue heavy. It's that I feel like it is a lot of like attempting to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. Yeah. Attempting to be rude and vulgar and say ridiculous things like Pet Cemetery 2 is better than Pet Cemetery <laughs> It's like nobody believes that. You're yeah. just trying to cause fight. <laughs> I do love that conversation because she goes, Edward fucking Furlong. <laughs> I was like, okay. I that is a selling point. Knows, it knows who its audience is. That's a selling point for a lot of women from that time. Well, when she name drops Clancy Brown too, though, and you're like, okay, it's not like they're like whoever wrote the script knows that movie. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like Edward Furlong's in the front box and everybody knew who he was at the time. But She's just referencing uh, Clancy Brown's um, acting style, and she's not wrong. He does chew up the scenery in that movie, <laughs> but and he's like, he literally does it in the one scene where he's just chewing things at a dinner table and spilling it all over the place, and just really overselling it. <laughs> but we should probably put that on the list. Um, <laughs> he's the fucking Kirkin man. Give the guy some space. Oh, uh, like, Clancy Brown double feature Highlander and Pet Cemetery. <laughs> What a on the list. What a poor way to represent that man's career. Doesn't matter. Anyways, but like I, I did appreciate that all the pop culture references were clearly somebody who, who wrote those, gave a shit about them, and was actually trying to like get their own opinions in there, but it's yeah. a little much like like when she starts talking about Chris Cornell's hair and it's like, yeah, I remember when he got his hair cut like that. <laughs> I didn't like them bad mouthing load so much. Cause I actually like that album. Oh no, Doug. It's sorry. <laughs> it's a, it's a bunch of really simple, fun to listen to songs. I mean, I pseudo agree with her that the nineties kind of sucked. I disagree. We've had this debate before though. No, that's why I left it there. I said, just kind of sucked. I'm not going into details. All right. Um, so I don't know. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, Scott didn't. Uh, Noah and Doug. I would call it like a solid B. I mean, I'm not. It's not like my favorite fucking movie of the year, but I was yeah. into it. And it's a robot killing people. And generally, if it's a movie with a robot killing people, I'm pretty happy. Oh, you know what? I was fully expecting to be on board with this because I agree with that sentence. 
You know what? I do have one complaint. What? In the trailer, it they make it sound like the Santa walks around doing his ho 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 thing while he's killing people, and he didn't do that. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> that's that's a very nitpicky complaint, Brian. I wanted I wanted more ho ho ho. I was excited for it. It's like it's just gonna be all quiet, then all of a sudden out of nowhere you're gonna hear ho 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 and he's gonna like murder people. I mean I can't disagree with what you're saying, but <laughs> um, Yeah, there there was a lot more um like first person perspective from Santa than I was expecting. Yeah. That might be some of the Terminator reference or influence too, but yeah, for sure. What you know what I really loved was when Santa walked though, and you got that <laughs> sound when his legs <laughs> just like that's straight from Terminator, but I loved it. It's Terminator and it's Robocop. I mean, it's a sound effect that I think they just used in every eighties movie about a robot. <laughs> But, yeah, and those two people in the toy store, they were really into their ass fucking if they didn't hear that Santa coming. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> they were really into their ass. They made it very clear that they were excited about the ass fucking Scott. There was like, it wasn't subtle. So. Oh, Jonah Ray. I did watch the, or read the, um, I don't know, sometimes I get a kick out of reading the parents' guide on IMDb for movies. And the um, like the the sex and nudity for this one just at you know two mo- two references and they talked about like at one point one character eats another character's ass after being told they're going to, <laughs> and then the other one was um one character performs oral sex on a girl and given close ups there's it's very unlikely that it was faked or something like that. (laughs) All right. That's pretty subjective Uh, for an IMDb listener, but (laughs) uh, well, you know what? I, I think that might be accurate because they show, they show paintings moving to the side. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was faked or not, but I know that, um, there wasn't a no contact rule. There had to have been some. <laughs> yeah. So he's real close in there. Um, was, I was going to say it was the most graphic cunnilingus scene I've ever seen outside of porno. I can say yeah. that. Well, uh, blown away. Yeah. Oh wait, you weren't on that show. <laughs> <laughs> you were the only. You and I were the only two who watched that movie. Yeah. Oh right! So, Damn it, Brian. I'm still mad at you for that. It's yeah. You're welcome. Anybody wants, <laughs> but if anybody wants to see, if it, yeah, I guess they borrowed from that 1992 <laughs> classic starring the two Corys and the girl from Baywatch. Um, <laughs> that I get. We should like discuss that kind of lingacine. I wish there was a better way to say that. <laughs> um, the way that they were intercutting that with the kills going on across the street and going back and forth to like those two in the bedroom. And then like, it is a really intense sex scene. And then they're going over to those kills. I was really, really enjoying that. Cause I like watching people have sex and I like watching people get murdered. So the way they were able to give us at once was just 
I thought it was really good filmmaking in that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm really afraid yeah. of Doug's Google searches right now. Doug has the weirdest boner during this. <laughs> I did. I did feel bad whenever dude took that axe to the face because I was like, oh, he didn't even get laid, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. It was like, like there was he, a, he threw her some head and then got axed. There was like a weird like feminist twist to the sex scenes. Anybody else notice that where she's like. Yeah, like he's does what he does for her, and then she's like, "I gotta go get some more whiskey." <laughs> you just waiters. <laughs> she doesn't check on the nachos. That's the whole problem. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know what's funny though is technically she's his boss, and yeah. into doing it that way makes it even more inappropriate because she's placed <laughs> into the position of power. Oh, because she literally early in the movie says, "I own you." Yeah, and then she makes him do that, and then yeah, he's got a real lawsuit on his hands if he hadn't yeah. been chopped up. Yeah, if he were still alive. <laughs> so, uh, is this one going to go on a rotation every year? Uh, I, I'm definitely going to give it a rewatch. I don't know if this is an every I, year. Yeah, I think weirdly, Noah and I are kind of on the same page. Um, <laughs> this is some of that Christmas magic that none it's of us a understand. Christmas miracle, <laughs> but like, yeah, like it's going to be one of those movies that, like, every year I go like and Google like Christmas horror movies and watch some of them. And there's a few that make it on the annual list, um, and there's a few that are just always in the background and could get watched any given year, but won't get watched every year. And this will be one of those. It's nice. definitely not the last time I see this. But it won't be every year either. It's it's no gremlins. Correct. That that is a very sure. true statement. It's in so many ways. Although Gremlins has <laughs> Gremlins does have the little town with all the Christmas lights up for when they walk down the street. So it's sort of the same. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh all right. I'm sure I could stop it in there somewhere. I, th- oh. I think with with this was no gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I would never watch it again. I think if if I had a a group or some friends or something like that, it, it could be more enjoyable. But by myself, like looking for a movie to enjoy, it just I was bored. I think it. I think maybe it lost something being on. Uh, a streaming service like because yeah. the whole the grain and the uh, the neon and the washout and stuff. I feel like it would have been better on a movie theater screen. Did, did we all watch it shutter? Did anybody go to the theater for it? No. Is I it playing in the theater shutter. anywhere? Uh, when I looked it up, it was theater. I don't know if it's limited release, but it was theater or shutter. Well, it didn't it didn't play anywhere around here. Yeah, I know I made a couple small appearances like our friend El Goro got to go see it at a screen at his season seasons bleedings uh, event. They had like four Christmas horror movies and this one was a last minute surprise replacement. Hmm. Oh. Where, where's he at? Uh, Cleveland. OK. I thought he was in Illinois like, somewhere, too. His yeah. life's hard enough. If he has to live in Cleveland. It's good to get up <laughs> see this. He, he'd probably agree with you. Uh, all right. Well, anything else? I should say thank you to you guys because I used the show's um, 
email address to get my latest free trial of Shudder so I could watch this. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you use the last the last Horrorcast email? No, I tried, but it turns out I've already done that before. So oh, I used okay. the Midnight Drive-In one. I was going to say one of the two of us have used it already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just broke down and got a freaking Shutter subscription because there's always stuff on there I want to yeah. see. Only forty dollars a year. That's not too bad. Right. It it's honestly probably something I should just get, but there's there's like I, I'll get it for a month free now and then I'll have seen everything that I need to see for a while. That's yeah. the problem. Like the problem is that it's not like that there's an issue with Shutter, it's that there's just so fucking much out there. And a lot of what's on Shutter, like that, I'm gonna watch, is gonna be on Tubi. You just watch a couple of ads, and then I can have Amazon Prime instead. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say the one that keeps pissing me off is I really want to get rid of Netflix, and I feel like every time yeah. I actually make up my mind to cancel Netflix, they put out something that I want to see, and I'm like, God damn it! I guess I'll watch this, and then I'll cancel it. <laughs> I did the opposite. We actually did finally cancel Netflix, and then within a week there were like three new shows or movies that came on. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we just keep a list now. And then once the list gets big enough, we'll renew it for a month and just binge all the things that we wanted and then cancel it again. I think yeah. that's the smart thing to do. I haven't gotten in that habit yet. And right now, like I don't pay for Netflix because I have kind of a, a side deal worked out with someone, but nice. uh, I, it looks like that's going to go away. Because Netflix is clamping down and starting to charge like that. I think they said they're going to like start charging by the profile or something up here now. Mm. And it's like, so that'll go away. And then, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd pay for it myself just to watch Cobra Kai every year. Sh- Stranger Things kind of lost me. I mean, who is- Hulu's the one that I can't get rid of no matter what? Because there's too many of like the random bullshit shows that if I just want to watch something and not paying attention to it, they have all the ones that we do, like Golden Girls and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just the thing is, too, is like if you go looking like if like CVS or whatever probably has like Golden Girls on their app. Again, you have to watch the ads occasionally, but there it is, like just with whoever produced the show. I don't know. They all, all those seem to be paid, though. A lot of times, I don't, I can't speak for down there, but up here, a lot of the TV stations have like a paid app. But if you just download the app, there's a bunch of shit on there for free. Mm-hmm. And or you can like get sometimes get like a season of things. Like that's how Peacock works. There's a free version and the paid version. So a lot of shows you can get like season one free, and then to get yeah. the rest, you have to have the paid. Hey, I'm I'm paying for fucking Peacock. Only because uh, my wife likes true crime, and so that's a Dateline <laughs> forty-eight hours. It's all on that. So that that we're locked in. I'm never getting rid of that fucking peak out. For me, it's like Disney Plus has so much on it now that I'll never run out of stuff. Right. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. <laughs>
for calling. I don't know how you freewheel it over there on the fresh brains, but wait till everybody's arrived before we start the call. We always start sharply at 830. We've got, we've got <laughs> we keep it crisp at the midnight drive-in. <laughs> yeah. We are nothing if not organized. The other two say something different. They're fucking liars. We're not we're not consistently late because somebody will always say something like eating pizza. Give me fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> don't be don't be I, talking I mean, inside take, baseball. I take credit for that. I think I started that, so that's just that's my tradition. That's my Christmas tradition that's still continuing. <laughs> eating eating pizza? That's like a Christmas thing. <laughs> Late as hell. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I think we've all we all had pizza before we met you, Scott. So you can't really have credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, don't hand, don't claim pizza. Unless unless it's some weird fucking Christmas pizza, you're throwing candy canes and shit on it. I was just gonna say, like peppermint mistletoe. Although mistletoe might be poisonous. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say. I think yeah. mistletoe is deadly poison. Well, it's a good horror movie pizza. Christmas horror movie pizza. Well, that works perfectly in what we're doing. Uh, we're we're eating pizza. Pitches for like horror <laughs> foods. I didn't know about that part of the show. It's like sure, a food, why not? food network special. Yeah. Through the uh, magic of editing, Brian has now joined us. Because he did not want to be spoiled for our reviews of the movies we were talking about this week. <laughs> Because apparently, yes, Scott, so I shouldn't talk about it right now. <laughs> apparently, Scott does not communicate very well with his co-host. Yeah, uh, that's what I said. The I, three texts, the three texts I sent describing what we were doing were apparently not enough. Well, that's just what I take no. away from this whole situation. You know what I think it is? I think I spoil him over there at that other show. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much just show up. Listen to Scott tell me like the history of a movie, watch the movie, enjoy the movie, talk about the movie. And that's that's all I do. <laughs> so it's, spo- it's pretty curious. I spoiled you, Brian. That's that's what's happened. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, there's no spoiling around these parts. No, we all nose to the grindstone around here. So you just... I don't want to hear about any of that slacking going on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so since it is uh, our Christmas show, figured since there's a plethora of horror Christmas movies this year, we should pitch our own horror Christmas movie and get the others to vote on which one they think is the best one. Now, wait, that, that's not what I was told would happen. I wasn't told I was supposed to <laughs> vote. I wasn't supposed to vote on the best one. I was supposed to vote on the one I'd want to most see, which probably means it's a shitty one. <laughs> well, either way, however you however you want to construct your vote, I guess that's up to you. Fair enough. Yeah, and I was mostly told what Scott just said. <laughs> I think the only the only stipulation, you can't vote for your own pitch. Yeah, you got to vote for somebody else's. All right, I'll give you that. Okay. It is going to be a secret vote, right? Just in case, because I... No, never mind. <laughs> no, no. Are we, doing like a, 
are we doing like a Skype poll? Or are you going to make this all like official and fancy here, Brian? I could put it. I could put it in the Facebook group when, when we post the episode. We could put a poll up to see what see what our five listeners think is the best. Oh, one. I was going to say we could get like a whole seven votes, and then we're, we're putting like a lot of power in Tracy's hands if we do that. I don't know. That's if we true. Want to be careful. It's true. Wait a minute. There's there's five of us. We only have five listeners. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's assuming they don't have plans for Christmas. I was going to say, all I was imagining is doing the old-fashioned throwing the things in a hat, and somehow Doug would have 12 write-ins for Doug's pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious to see what Doug comes up with. This Doug, math seems off. Doug was not very secure about his choice earlier when I explained this last week. Because I told you we already had the best idea, and you guys won't let, won't let me just restate that one. <laughs> we all agree, Gremlins versus Home Alone is amazing and would be the best movie ever. Fuck. I think that I think that's what I told Brian when he pitched this idea to me was that I'm only willing to do it if that's not in the running because I can't compete against that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I put so much thought into mine. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, does anybody want to go first? Uh, I can, but okay. maybe it's I should go first or last because I think mine's going to be a little bit of an outlier. All right. Well, let's make let's make Noah go first because I like to make Noah do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I was going to say this is the first time you've been diplomatic, Brian. Normally, you're just like, "Hey, you do this now." Was, yeah, pretty much. I was getting ready to say. This this sounds like really polite abuse somehow. <laughs> Slightly suspect. Look, it's the holiday season, so the abuse gets a little more polite. We all know that. Okay. It's like a, like a true family get together. <laughs> it's like, will you please shut up and take your punishment? No, I eat this pizza. It's definitely not poisonous. This this tastes like deadly nightshade and candy canes. Uh, okay, so elevator pitch. So we opening credits, right? We've got Santa Claus delivering presents. But Santa Claus is looking all dejected, skipping over lots of houses because there's just no kids left on the nice list anymore, right? Uh, maybe he finally finds a kid that's on the nice list. He goes into the house and oh, signs of abuse everywhere. Sad. Then it goes back to the night, the North Pole. He's greeted by all the elves who are throwing their annual Christmas party. Uh, and Santa goes off to put away the reindeer. There's some commotion. The elves run in. Ah, Santa Claus dead, hung from the rafters. <laughs> That's right. We're starting with Santa suicide, people. As as movies should. So then we're going to cut forward a year. Uh, and we introduce our main character, who's Tim. Some may think he's tiny. Uh, <laughs> you know, kid bullied at school, too old to believe in Santa, but still does. You know, as is Christmas movie tradition. Does he still have polio? Uh, probably not, but I am not opposed to giving him polio. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Christmas spirit. <laughs> No There's always some Christmas magic that could be worked into those tiny legs. Uh, so we go. 
his parents are shit, right? They don't want to celebrate Christmas. No Christmas decorations. Fuck Tim. But then we're introduced to Grandpa, who is the nice old man who loves Tim and loves Christmas. And they spend the evening decorating Santa Claus's tiny little shitty old person apartment with, like, handmade Christmas stuff. You know, making the old uh, uh, construction paper snowflake garlands and shit. His grandpa loves Tim. We cut to that night, and one of the bullies, he's downstairs. He's opening his presents while his parents are sleeping because he's a little shit. Like all the little shits. He hears a noise in the tree. He leans over to see what it is. And he gets stabbed in the eye with a fucking candy cane. Yeah! As he's mauled by elves. And the elves attack to take their vengeance for the death of Santa Claus. And <gasps> elves. So it turns into a slasher movie. And we just have an army of elves attacking children and parents. And all. And just fucking death everywhere. And uh, Tim has to like fight his way from his parents' house across town. To find Grandpa. And a uh, movie like culminates in him getting to the apartment building that's overrun with murderous little elf fucks. And of course, they get up to Grandpa's apartment. They stumble in, being chased by the elves. And the elves are overwhelmed by the Christmas spirit within that room. And then we cut to the end credits. And as the end credits roll, we see Tim decorating horrible little murder gingerbread cookies. In Santa's old cabin, while Grandpa is dressed up as new dark Santa Claus, who, who will have like a reign of doom <laughs> for the future, slave to his elf overlords. Yeah. What's your title for this one? Last Christmas. <laughs> By Wham? Yes. <laughs> I even want the opening credits to be like a minor key acoustic version of Last Christmas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh boy. And the the um closing credits then would have the original version play over it. You know it. So all your budget's just going to George Michael. Hey, the estate of George Michael. <laughs> most of it. And and Depending on how high budget we go, either CGI elves or a whole lot of little person actors to play elves. You could call that uh, talent agency that Warwick Davis runs in his TV show. Yeah, 100%. Nice. It's all an excuse to meet Willow. That's all it is. He's like, I want to meet Warwick Davis. That's it. I do want to meet Warwick Davis. All right, Scott, why don't you give us yours? Oh, okay. Um, so it might be a little on the nose for this show, but I feel like there, there's just no way to, to not do this. Um, I'm making Chopping Mall 2, colon, Mall Santa, M-A-U-L, oh Santa. <laughs> we already talk about this movie tonight? <laughs> no, not quite. So... My premise is, you know, we're set in 2020. Um, you know, we're still following after the the, the tail end of COVID. Um, people are, are having a hell of a time hiring any sort of kind of minimum wage jobs. So 
nationwide there's a Santa a mall Santa shortage. So there's a company that has designed or decided that they are going to start making mall Santas that are robotic. Um, and of course, the mall from the original shopping mall is one of the first to say this is a great idea. They'll hire one. Now that Santa, his whole job is to just sit on his little you know Santa throne, listen to kids. But it's also a, a great marketing ploy because that Santa will can record everything that the kid says. And so while the kid is on the on Santa's lap. The mom is over talking to the elf, given you know their email address, because then the mall Santa will you know email the video so that then the parents can see like, oh, here's what my kid wants for Christmas. Great. Um, this all goes you know according to plan, uh, except that there's you know we we see a scene of a, of a family walking around the mall and they're just kind of you know bitching and moaning about how. They're so tired of people going out in public now in this post-COVID world, uh, sneezing and coughing. Like if people are sick, they should just stay home. Like they're just, it's just not appropriate. You know, it's it's making everybody uncomfortable. But we all know those people who are out here, you know, sneezing and coughing in public. Um, around this time, there is a little kid who shouldn't be out here. He's with his parents. He's sitting on Santa's lap, sneezes right in robot fa- Santa's face. And the moisture from the sneeze short circuits Santa. Santa reprograms himself RoboCop style. While his prime directive is being reprogrammed, he overhears another conversation of somebody saying, yeah, all these people who are sneezing and coughing should just have fucking stayed home. So now his new programming is kill everybody who sneezes or coughs in public. (laughs) So he spends the rest of the movie walking around the mall, kind of secretive like. It's a slasher. He doesn't just go on a whole murderous rampage. It's somebody dies here, somebody dies there, usually like, you know, a janitor back in the back hallways or, um, you know, the the kid working at the Annie Ann's pretzel factory, like, you know, gets their face shoved in the stand mixer or something like that. And it doesn't really escalate until at one point – Robot Santa decides this is too big of a problem. He kills a security guard and sees the security monitor and realizes that, oh, if I press this button, I can lock them all down. Does that. That creates a panic. And somewhere in the in the panic of everybody running around freaking out, um, I, I don't know, something gets knocked over. Something happens to where a small little fire starts small easy controlled you know they're able to put it out pretty quickly but the smoke from the fire causes everybody to start coughing and so now santa just like starts looking around and everybody is now turning red in his eyes everybody's coughing everybody has to die the rest of the movie is just him slaughtering everybody at the mall all right (laughs) that's great Oh, you're not getting Brian's vote based on that reaction. <laughs> no, no, no. Chopping Mall 2, Mall Santa. I like it. He knows how to appeal to his base. He knows that is true. Like, he's I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I feel true. like for a Chopping Mall sequel, we're missing uh, Killbots. We need the little Killbots. Oh, they're there. They'll, they'll show up. I feel Ooh. like the Killbots need to come in at the end and save the day. 
I think that's what my Ooh. note would be on that. No, it's no, no. Like, like at the end, like you have like the son of the Dick Miller character from the previous film who has taken over his uh, father's job as janitor, and he's, he's still like, the I know janitor. What to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he like goes running out, and he like unveils the killbots and like hits a few buttons or whatever. Goes up into that room and programs them to send them out after Mall Santa. Yeah, because I didn't have who's going to be like, you know, the hero, although I did picture Barbara Crampton would probably be there with her kids like they're the ones bitching about people sneezing and coughing in public. (laughs) And then their heads just get blown up at some point when they. Yeah. And somebody's chewing gum like with a ferocity. (laughs) See, Doug's trying to help Scott win, apparently. Um, I want there to be more chopping mall. Well, I, 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 was, I, was, I was half expecting that I would come on and Doug and I had the same idea, to be honest. <laughs> well, honestly, I thought the the Killbots would actually be the elves. They would look exactly the same from the 80s movies, but they'd have a little green hat and like pointy ears like pasted on the side of their heads. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, See? Beautiful. No, I think we have to turn them into the heroes. All right. I'm not against that idea. Uh, I really like the idea of like, like right towards the end of the movie, somebody just like pulls back a curtain and goes into that computer lab at the top of the mall and just starts typing in and the killbots come out from the back. (laughs) Yeah. At some point in the movie, it's revealed that the the basement is absolutely full of the decommissioned killbots. For some reason, they stored all of them there, not just the ones from the mall in the first one. Right. Well, no other mall wanted them after the first movie, but these guys still had faith in them. (laughs) And that faith is what saved them in the end. And then they come out and say, Merry Christmas. Have a nice day. Perfect. After the credits, of course. Right. Right. I'll try Uh, to post it in the chat, but I also did a little extra credit and I uh, made a movie poster for Chopping Mall 2 as well. Ooh. Oh, hey. Oh, This is how Scott pulls ahead. Whoa, fuck. You know, Scott told me not even to come up with one because he was going to win. That was one of the one of the texts I got. That sounds like Scott. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> we know, we, it's like, it sounds like that's two Brian's who aren't voting for you already, Scott. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to come on this show and get any love or sympathy, so it's fine. <laughs> Very loving. <laughs> You're getting Brian's sandbag. <laughs> uh, all right. Other Brian, would you like to go? Sure, I'll go. So uh, start off by saying I went a totally different direction. Went kind of serious. And uh, therefore probably pretty shitty. But anyway, so it, uh, it starts off in... Uh, like a uh, rural Arizona. So like, you know, not, not the, the lowlands Arizona, but kind of the, the mountainous hilly region, Arizona. And of course it's Christmas time. And uh, so, you know, you sort of zoom in, it's like morning Christmas Eve. There's this uh, pretty average looking family. They're having breakfast and, um, you know, the dad gets up. It's just a, a dad, uh, a mom, and and their their daughter. And so the dad gets up. He's about to leave from work. Camera, you know, in the back of the in the back of the frame, there's like a you know a, a news program on. It's talking about like you know missing kids, right? Like kids are being abducted. But um, 
your family's not really paying much attention to it. And so the guy uh, gets up from the table and he says, hey, so remember, guys, I, I got to work late tonight. So don't don't wait up for me. You know, he kisses his wife and off to work he goes. So cuts to, you know, it's the end of the day. The guy is punching out at work. And um, but it's, it's not really it's not like dark out or anything. And so it's kind of clear that it's, you know, he didn't actually work really late. So um, but uh, he's he's gets out to his car. He pulls open his phone and he opens up Google Maps and uh, he gives he calls on the phone. And he's like talking about picking up a puppy. Right. But the catch is the puppy is, you know, a few hours away from from the town. So, you know, he drives out, gets the puppy and uh, and then starts heading home. And it's this super cute, adorable, you know, like little poodle type type puppy. And so he gets home. And it's really late. The only the only illumination really is like the Christmas lights in the house as he pulls into the driveway. And, you know, he, he goes inside and the first thing you see is like this nice Christmas tree. And, you know, there's some presents all set up. And, you know, he puts puts the puppy down. He's going to take it over to his daughter's room. And as I get close to the daughter's room, the puppy's hair, like the tackles start to rise and it like starts to like whimper. And um, and so he, he like gets kind of creeped out. It's like really silent. And then you hear like like some sort of a, a noise, like a scuffling noise from down the hall in his daughter's room. And so he goes over and checks his daughter's room and his daughter is not there. And then so, you know, he like he's like wakes up the wife and, you know, the scene sort of ends with like them like screaming. Right. And then, you know, the cops kind of come in. And there's kind of like a, a montage where, you know, the, the cops can't really do anything. There's there's no leads or anything. You sort of are introduced to one of the detectives. And so time sort of goes by. There's no leads. A couple other kids go missing from the town or the city. And, um, and you know, eventually people sort of sink into acceptance that they're not going to find their kids. And the, the dad, he's going back to work. And, you know, it's sort of like... You sort of see him like he's super depressed. He and his wife aren't aren't dealing with it well. There's a lot of stress. And so he decides he's gonna kill himself and he drives his car into like uh, a big rock on the side of the, the road in the desert. And so as soon as he hits the rock, cuts into like a dream sequence. And it's this super weird, creepy dream, like a mix of all the memories and like he it sort of ends with his him like losing his daughter and she's like walking away into darkness and then he wakes up and he's in the hospital but he doesn't really have any injuries he doesn't have any abrasions or anything none of his limbs are in casts or anything um but he does look like shit and he's kind of like shriveled and unshaven and it becomes pretty clear that you know he's been in a coma and so it turns out that he's been in a coma for like a year. It's like winter the next year. Um, and it turns out to be it's like almost Christmas again. But then the catch is the detectives, they want to talk to him because it turns out that, you know, while they don't really have any leads or evidence, all the kidnappings seem to have stopped after he tried to kill himself. Um, and so, you know, it finds, he finds out that his wife has left him. And uh, she's like got a new boyfriend, but, you know, and, and so between the stress of losing their daughter and kind of like the allegations against her husband, 
she uh, she just just can't take it, but she still sort of cares about him a little bit, and you know, so she stays with her boyfriend at their apartment, and um, basically he gets to stay in the house for the time being until they figure out like divorce stuff. But she gives him the dog to keep him company, and so you know, it's like the first night he's home, he's taking the dog out for a walk, he feels kind of like shed. And, you know, he's like talking to the dog as, you know, people, they sort of talk to their dogs like, oh, what are you smelling there on the walk? And the dog talks back, but, but he only hears it in his head. The dog's lips don't move or anything. And the weird part is that the dog is talking to him in his daughter's voice. And so then like the next, you know, few frames are basically him like trying to like, you know, like ignore the fact that he's thinks he's kind of going crazy is he's talking to his dog, but then it, it, it really does seem like he communicate with the dog. And, you know, maybe there are a couple of cute scenes of like, Oh, what would you do if you could talk to your dog? But they're all kind of creepy because every time the dog talks, it's like his daughter's voice. And so then one night on the night walk, um, the dog's like sniffing at something. He's like, you know, what do you, what do you smell now? More squirrels or whatever. And the dog, like the dog's hackles rise again. And the dog tells him, you know, it's the same smell that I smelled the night that you brought me home. And uh, he's like, what do you mean the same smell? He's like, I don't know. It's the same smell. It's a bad smell. And so he gets like really, really creeped out. And um, like he looks around, but he doesn't see anything. So he sort of goes home. And then so like the next day or so on the news, it turns out another another girl has been kidnapped. So the kidnappings are starting again. But a little time's gone by. And so... You know, meanwhile, the guy is sort of obsessed now with with the dog and trying to find the source of the bad smell. And so he's like going around, walking around at night with the dog, trying to, you know, like track down what it is. And like they keep coming up blank, like the smell dissipates before they can really figure out where like the trail starts from. And then um, but the problem is because he's walking around all over town at night and the kidnappings are starting again. Um, and it turns out that he's pretty much like all the bad smells happen pretty close to where the kidnappings are. So he's seen at people's houses just before, like the kids go missing again. And so the police start getting interested in him again. And um, then his his wife, she's kind of concerned about him. So she goes and checks on him. But she sort of like sees him in another room, like really talking to the dog, like like the dog can talk back. And so she gets like a really sick feeling and she goes over and talks to the police. And while they're talking, you know, it comes up that the night that his daughter went missing, you know, he said he was going to stay late right at work. But then the detectives follow up on that. And it turns out that, you know, he didn't right. There's a record show that he checked out at the normal time. So now they're really looking for him. Meanwhile, you know, he's walking farther and farther out of town. Um, and eventually he's like on the edge of town and he's like, his dog leads him up to like the scrub brush. Right. And he's like looking around into the darkness and the dog suddenly says, wow, it's really strong. I think, I think whatever it is, is really close. And the guy like stops and he listens and there's like the movement of like some, something big in the brush is moving around and, you know, they start to get, he gets really creeped out and like he, you know, he goes home. But then he finds out that the police are looking for him. So the next day he decides it's kind of now or never. And so he like goes back out to the, the, the brush area, the sort of the woods where he was the night before. And he sort of keeps going. 
and eventually they find like this abandoned mine shaft that is like really old, but it looks like you know it's the the boards have been kind of pried apart kind of recently, and so they're like staring into the mouth of the cave, and the dog says oh, it's really strong here. I, and then the dog's like, I think I hear something, and it bolts, and he loses the leash, and the dog runs into the tunnel, and then he follows it. And then it sort of descends into kind of madness, like the detectives are trying to follow him. So they go into the tunnel eventually, but it's like this big labyrinthian, and there's like cobwebs and like skulls and like small children's skulls all in this cave. And eventually they stumble upon this like horrible monster, and it's like this big like cross between like a, a spider and like a fly. So, and that's the movie. Uh, I think it'll be called Fur Baby. Fur Baby. <laughs> okay, crickets. <laughs> no, 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 no. I enjoyed it. You should write yeah. that out as a story or something. Yeah. Oh. Cerebral. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. All right, yeah. Doug. Do, do you I'm, want to go I'm, next? I'm processing. <laughs> Give Scott a minute before we move yeah, on. It's true. <laughs> All right, I'm good. <laughs> Do you need to lay down or anything? No, no, no. I'm, I might get another beer in a second, but we're good for now. Sorry, I, I love monster movies. So I was yeah. like, all right, monster movie, Christmas adjacent. That's totally, totally reasonable. It. Do you want to go next or you want to go last, Doug? I'm giving you the option. No, I don't want options. <laughs> I don't like thinking for myself. You just said. All right, well, you go then. All right. Mine's going to be a lot simpler than everybody else's because um, you guys seem to work really hard on them. <laughs> um, but I essentially had the idea for. Uh, <laughs> Did Scott wait till you were going to send his. <laughs> he didn't, yeah, he's trying to cut me off. I tried to do it between people. I didn't want to interrupt anybody. So. <laughs> it's so failed. good. You failed. Santa's um, getting his Christmas chopping done early this year. Chopping mall too. Oh, wow. Nice time. That's nice. All right. What shitty story you got, Doug? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I kind of had the idea to do a uh, horror movie version of the Santa Claus. So my idea is that Santa arrives at a home in the middle of a home invasion. And he tries. (laughs) So he tries to um, put a stop to it. But the uh, the murderous gang that is there. To, to kill the family simply turns around and kills Santa because he has no powers that would help him fight a gang of murderous people. But the leader of the gang then walks over and picks up the body, finds the card, and now he's going to become the Santa Claus. Right? <laughs> so cut to a year later, he's like now relocated the North Pole to like this dirty, grimy old warehouse. He's got all the fucking elves are just instead of making toys, they are just making weapons. And he has figured out the greatest plan of all, which is that he has this one night a year where he can literally go on the world's biggest killing spree and just take out everyone on the entire planet. Right. Right. Here is where the Hitchcockian twist comes in. No one's going to see it coming because surprise motherfuckers. This is a crow sequel. (laughs) <laughs> cut to the graveyard 
and the dad from the family at the beginning of the movie, you see his ham come crawling out of the grave. And as he's piecing things together, he sort of realizes he has to stop this before murderous Santa can go on his spree. So the second half of this movie is just going to be an unstoppable force waging war against an army of elves. And I, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out because he's going to have to kill a lot of those little motherfuckers to get through to the new Santa Claus. But it ends with a final fight between evil Santa Claus and our crow character on the sleigh as it's flying away on Christmas Eve. And since he's able to push him off, now we have a crow taking over a Santa Claus to end our movie. Question. <laughs> when he relocates the North Pole, can he relocate it to like 80s era New York? Uh, no, it's Detroit because that's your first kind of hint that this is a crow sequel that nobody will see coming. So, uh, okay. All right. What's this one called, Doug? I have no idea. I have to come up with a title that will get people in the door so without, we'll just, we'll without just, revealing the twist, and I haven't been able uh, to do that yet. So for, for our purposes, we'll call it Santa Crows. How about that? Okay. Working title. Yeah. Perhaps we could find a way to make, like, give the uh, evil home invader Santa Claus guy some sort of a thing where he squeals at a noise that could qualify as crowing. About like Christmas Nevermore. Oh, I like that. I like that. Ooh, change it. Christmas Nevermore. So it's not quite as well thought out or in depth as all of yours, but it results in a guy in a long black trench coat killing the shit out of some elves. So I think it's worth it. That would be really funny. My problem is I just don't know how good a Crow sequel can be without uh, Edward Furlong. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Find out what David Boreanaz is doing if you want. Uh, well, maybe you can get Edward Furlong and he, he'd play the evil Santa. Is Tim Allen the Santa that gets killed at the beginning? I mean, if we can get him, then of course. Huh. Okay. Oh, wow. I, mean, like, like, do it. I think it goes without say that you want... Um, you want it to tie into that original series as best as you yeah. can. I wonder if there's like a Tim Allen. What if we can get like the guy that played uh, Al on, on <laughs> what's he up to? I bet oh, you he looks like cards? Santa Claus now. I think he's still, is he still doing Family Feud or did he quit? Well, that, he quit that a long time ago. Okay. Then yeah, he's probably That's available. Him, but he's, him he's and Tim Allen like, started doing some stupid fucking streaming show where Basically, it's like a uh, reality competition of builders where they're like, you have to build a leap blower that's also a flamethrower. So the wow. new fucking <laughs> by, by the way, the, the new plan from a production standpoint is to go to Tim Allen and tell him that if he doesn't agree to do this, we're hiring the other guy. <laughs> so, lucky man, you can, you can ruin your franchise by having him step in as Santa or you can just come in and take one for the team. Oh, hey, what if, so you know in Santa Claus, there's like a, a guy that he works with, right? That Or am I getting my movies mixed up? Like but there's like this guy? guy who's making fun of him or something at his work? No? It makes fun of him for like putting on weight and stuff? Yeah. Is that the was, guy you're was, thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. So Judge that Reinhold? guy. You want to get him? Yeah, but that guy is the leader of the gang, and he kills Tim Allen. He becomes the okay. evil Santa. 
I don't know. Oh, I think I think just as a cameo, you should get Judge Reinhold as the leader of the gang. Well, Judge Reinhold could be the dad who got killed and he becomes the crow. Is he too old for that role now? No, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Do it. Sign it up. Give I'll give you my money. <laughs> i don't i don't think judge reinhold would be a convincing crow-like character well and only, I, I, I want him to wear the bill cosby sweater that he wore in the first santa claus when he's doing this too um, see it <laughs> underneath, gonna, underneath like the black trench coat he's got the bill cosby sweater is that your yep, plan here right. yep yep oh, God. all muddy and torn because he just crawled out of the grave yep oh it writes, it, he, it writes itself See, I was going to say he needs to play his character from Seinfeld where he's the close talker. So he's just getting right up in everybody's face when he's like threatening <laughs> to kill him. I did have the idea that maybe he would have like the character with without even knowing it'd be Joe Reinhold would have an ugly Christmas sweater on with like um, wise looking crow like. But... Oh. Yeah. Details to be worked out depending on how the contracts work and assuming Disney signs over the rights to this idea because they're currently <laughs> hold the rights to the Santa Claus. And I <laughs> I know they're making their little show for their little streaming service, but I'm sure they'll love this idea. So, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, it's good. They'll be like, everybody, let's just uh, let's buy up the company that owns the crow and we'll make it a Disney production. That's the, just their marketing strategy for everything. What do we want to yeah. make? Yeah. Okay. Buy the company that owns that. uh all right well my movie opens on two sort of thug guys that have like guns and they're they're walking through a department store and the stores in like that emergency lighting where all the lights shut down but then everything's red for whatever reason yeah Mm -hmm. um and they're walking through being like, yeah, I don't know where this guy's at or whatever. You know, bad guy, small talk, essentially. Um, and as they, they're walking down one of the aisles, they, they hit a tripwire and these two sticks fly up and stab him in the chest. And we see that the, the spikes are actually candy canes that have been whittled down with the spikes. And then a dirty looking Santa Claus comes out and looks him in the eye. And then the title pops up, Hobo Alone. all right so then we cut to like you know 24 hours earlier and then we should mention this takes place in new jersey in 1987 Um, this homeless guy it's a trauma movie (laughs) sure is it like hobo with a santa claus suit or something gotta get there i got a whole paragraph to go through don't spoil it, Brian. Come on. Oh, uh, you wrote, you wrote yours down? Fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> Kid, um, I didn't write mine. So this homeless guy is really, he's like, I need this job. I need a job. So he goes to the mall, and the mall is like, all right, we're going to give this guy a shot. Seems like a nice enough guy. Seems down as his luck. We're going we're gonna to turn you into a mall Santa. And he's, you know, ecstatic, because he's been, like, jumping around between homeless shelters and whatever. So... We uh, get like a montage of him doing his shit throughout the day. And, uh, you know, kids just sit on his lap. He's very jovial. He's very polite to everybody. Likes spending time with the kids. Um, and then uh, as the mall's closing down, he's like, well, shit. Uh, the shelter's closed. So I'm going to go back in the stock room and find some place for me to like curl up. And I'll just sleep at the mall tonight. 
So as he's as he's sleeping, uh, these two mob guys bring this guy into the back. They got him all tied up. They got like a bag over his head, and he, they say they're gonna make him talk. And he's like, "I'm not gonna say nothing." So they throw him into one of those giant contraptions that like smashes all the cardboard boxes down. And uh, so they pull the lever, blood sprays everywhere. And then they turn and they see the Santa guy laying there like, oh, fuck, that guy saw us kill this guy. So we're going to have to kill him. So the Santa runs off into the mall. They chase after him, but he disappears. And they're like, what the fuck? So they go, they call, they call up their boss. who turns out to be the uh, owner of the mall, but he's actually a mob boss named Rick Santiago. So he's like, well, we got to kill this guy. But luckily, since he owns the mall, they can just lock the mall down and hunt this guy down until they find him. So, so he calls like all of his like mob thugs. So they like swarm the mall. They're like all over the place. And uh, as they're trying to figure out where the fuck is this guy, he starts picking them off one by one. What they don't know, what we'll learn later, is his name is actually Mike Mulligan, but he's more known as Madman Mulligan. Because he was a super kick-ass Vietnam vet back in the day. <laughs> he was like the most feared soldier during the entire Vietnam War. They would tell stories about him and stuff. He did you too. A fucking Rambo Home Alone crossover. <laughs> I'm not done yet. So, <laughs> so they're trying to you know, get this guy and he's just like using everything in the mall just to take him out, setting up traps left and right. All these guys are getting taken out. And finally, like before, before it ends, it's just madman Mulligan and uh, Rick Santiago. The only two left, they're going to have this big showdown on the, in, like the, the uh, fuck do you call that courtyard of the mall? Whatever. Um, and so they have this big elaborate fight. Uh, and, you know, of course, Madman Mulligan's going to win. Uh, there's going to be lots of uh, Christmas themed deaths in this one, strung up by uh, Christmas lights. Uh, maybe he uh, stuffs fake snow down someone's throat till they choke to death. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but it's very elaborate traps, very. Uh, very home alone, but you know, very gory using just about anything. He uses like a, he goes down to the sporting goods, gets a slingshot and starts firing like uh, those jacks at people, like the toy jacks and the metal ones. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, just using anything he can get his hands on. Um, and then, uh, the tagline is, he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. Ho, ho, hobo. <laughs> can can he say in the movie like after like he kills somebody can he be like ho 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 motherfucker oh of course oh yeah why would we not do that um so yes this is part home alone part uh rambo part uh uh i don't know silent night deadly night whatever part magic <laughs> <laughs> Sure. All right, let's run them down again. We got Noah with his elf uh, last Christmas. Yeah. Evil elves. Murder elves. elves. We got Scott with Chopping Mall 2, Mall Santa. 
Got uh, other Brian with Fur Baby, his nice, uh, creepy uh, monster movie. Smelly monsters. <laughs> they are smelly. <laughs> got Doug with Christmas Nevermore, his uh, Santa Claus Crow crossover. And then we got mine with Hobo Alone. Uh, so I guess let's go in order. Noah, which which other one are you voting for? I got I gotta say Rambo Santa. I think I don't know how I can turn down a, a homeless Santa Claus killing people in a mall. All right, uh, Scott. What about you? Uh, I I feel like every one that I heard, I was like, "Yep, that's the one." Until I heard the one after it, and then it just kept <laughs> throwing me off. But like. <laughs> I mean, Doug almost had me. Um, I think Brian, new Brian, has a has a good good idea going, but almost a little. I, I think the movie's good. I think it's a little too cerebral for what I'm probably in the mood for with a Christmas horror movie. Um, so I think his movie would make a lot of money, but I don't know that I'd go and see it opening weekend. Um, but Hobo Santa in a mall. I, I think I'm I'm gonna give them my uh, my opening weekend money. All right, other Brian, which one are you voting for? Yeah, so I agree with Scott. I kind of liked them all, um, but I'm sort of torn between Chopping Mall Two and Hobo Alone. Uh, uh, it's pretty tough. I might go with Chopping Mall Two just because the thought of Robo Santa and Freaking robo elves killing people sounds just great. That just good choice. Because because remember, if you don't vote for me, I can make you watch some garbage. <laughs> oh shit, that's right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, like you're not gonna do that anyway. <laughs> hey, I always told him he was safe for the first year. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's multiple years. <laughs> All right, Doug, what are you voting for? Um. I don't know. See, I like Noah's idea if it's real midgets, but he threatens CGI midgets, and I don't like that. <laughs> you know I would prefer practical. Yeah, but you threatened it. I don't know. There's I don't trust you. <laughs> as soon as those higher-ups hear CGI, that you know that's what they're going to go for. You shouldn't exactly. have brought it up, Noah. Maybe one of those like shitty like sci-fi channel shark movie type CGI, too. So... <laughs> I would prefer that the insanely high budget, uh, like Gimli special effects from Lord of the Rings to shrink a fully grown person smaller for <laughs> no goddamn reason. Yeah, if you could find a way to use that like force perspective to make them look small in order to create hundreds of those like just oh my god shooting the whole fucking movie force perspective like oh, elf that's just, dope build listen, two it's, versions it's, of every set yeah no 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 not two versions because all the people are going to be different heights but you want all the elves to be the same height so you got a whole bunch of different versions of the set depending on which elf is in the foreground shit doug you just mentioned the sci-fi channel and now i want to see elf nato is wait that's we, a thing can we make that i mean just did the I that's as much th- i think that's as much thought that goes into the pitch meetings for oh, those hold on <laughs> let me check and see if tara reed's available <laughs> yeah yeah she is she, she already she already texted me back <laughs> and the blonde guy from beverly hills 
and told her we would pay her at least thirty dollars. <laughs> Did you ever vote, Noah? Doug, I mean. Oh no. I was going through reasons why I didn't like people's options. I, <laughs> such a that's such fine. A positive guy. You can narrow it down if you want. Scott definitely got my attention with the tie into Chopping Mall, but we had to add in the killbots. He was going to do it with Sans killbots, which was upsetting. Oh, really? That's true. <laughs> and all the tie-ins to COVID makes it pretty political. I don't know if we want mm-hmm. to alienate fifty percent of our audience. To Wait, mention the fact that, not to mention the fact that, like, in five years, is anybody going to want to watch a COVID-based horror film? Mm, fair point. So. Fuck, Elf-demic. <laughs> <laughs> Just down to two Brian's here. Does it even matter which one I pick? They're both Brian. I, mean, I could just put, I could just put uh, a vote next to each one of ours. Oh. Wait, that's not strictly fair. <laughs> it's not. Doug doesn't like picking stuff, so I feel. But I feel like the problem is it really depends on what mood I'm in. Because some days I like really delve into like a a psychological horror film, as one of the Bryans described, and other times I just want to see people get stabbed a lot. I thought you were going to say Bryans. sometimes. Sometimes I really want to you know delve into a cerebral movie, and then other times I want a movie about a stinky monster. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, don't trash my monster. We, we both know I would get very pretentious after seeing either of those and spend way too much time analyzing it. But I think for rewatch value, I'm going to have to go with Ho Ho Hobo there. I don't um, think, yeah. Wouldn't want to rewatch for a baby. That's true. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying it wouldn't be a an annual automatic rewatch. Yeah. Uh, well, my vote would be for Chopping Mall too, just because Scott got me on brand identity. <laughs> and if we're being honest, isn't that really the spirit of Christmas? That is true. Yeah. You need some solid uh, pre-existing IP to. Uh, I, was, I was getting ready to say which has the most corporate appeal because that's what <laughs> Christmas is all about. Oh, totally! Chopping Mall too. They can sell robot figures of everything. What else? Shirts. It'll be great. Although Disney already has a tie-in to Santa uh, Christmas Nevermore, right? Because they already own it. Yeah, they already. Well, yeah, oh, they already own oh. one of the two franchises that they're borrowing from. So. So that could true. be it, though, because then we could have like those hour long holiday specials every year as follow ups. Yeah. And a fucking mm-hmm. cartoon where we see special. how this, you know, like we have to see how this like new crow Santa crossover character is able to deliver gifts because he doesn't really have a skill set for that. He's predominantly good at killing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is uh, Judge Reinhold Crow up to this year? Let's find out. Still not 100% sold on the Judge Reinhold tie-in. I like somehow after he becomes Santa, instead of being tied to a crow, he gets tied to one of the reindeer. (laughs) (laughs) But I I had this visual in my head of like at the end of like the sleighs flying away and it's being pulled by the reindeer and the crow's flying alongside. Oh, and the reindeer could learn to get along. Yeah. 
They're not actual they competitors. They could be friends. Yeah. The crow could like live in the rafters of the barn where the reindeer sleep. Watch over them. What was what was the the pump the pumpkin king in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? Mm-hmm. Could, could we do like a pumpkin king versus scissors hands? Okay. So how, how how would we get Johnny Depp to play both though? I don't know, but he might he might do it. <laughs> He's got the skills. Yeah. How would we it's make gonna... fucking Tim Burton not make a shit fest of a movie? <laughs> <laughs> You are you are not a Tim Burton fan. I'm so <laughs> shots fired. Last week Listen. were you praising that Wednesday show? He's a producer. I can I can, sur- to... I can survive producer. Just really have him do his Edward Scissorhands Pumpkin King crossover yeah. while he's busy with another project, so he doesn't I'm, have time to direct. I'm a huge fan of every movie Tim Burton made up to Big Fish. And after that, he's done nothing but make disappointing shit movies. Hmm. I don't think I saw Big Fish. Bet he's at home in London crying on his giant pile of money. (laughs) (laughs) Big Big Fish is a a beautiful, beautiful, unnecessarily sad movie. (laughs) It's very, very sad, but it's also... It it exists in a beautiful fantasy world that I wish was real. Yes. I need to watch that again. It's been a long time. Yeah. You know what you need to watch first? Fucking Commando, Scott. This is where we <laughs> this, this is where we this is where we dress you down for never having seen Commando. What's offensive at this point? What? Uh, God damn yeah. it, Brian. Did you just say what is Commando? Yeah, also I've never seen most of these movies. Never saw Last Christmas, only watched the trailer for The Crow. Uh I know it's been a long time since I watched Hobo with a Gun or Hobo with a Shotgun, but yeah. Collective size begin. Yeah, but they Commando is Listen, easily we're trying to yell at the Scott. Best don't, don't run interference. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, they expect it from you, Brian. I'm about to get the shit storm, so you're you're safe. <laughs> you're gonna have to do an action episode of Fresh Brains podcast because yes. this is this is something that will this not stand. No, you guys absolutely yeah, you I it's think all, all all three of us are going to have to come on this show just to berate you for never having seen it. Are you guys on for our holiday episode and then we come on your show to just, you know, yell at you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it is like a family get together. I, I get it now. <laughs> just like our holiday episode. I, I saw a meme about that that said Die Hard is a Christmas movie and not because of all the Christmas theming but because it's about being stuck with a family social obligation that turns into a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, 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 it was one of those things like, it was similar here, to how here it, comes the excuses. Not an excuse, not an excuse. Um, slight so justification. I, I acknowledge my, gap um trying to trying to remedy the situation but like it's similar to horror like i didn't grow up with any sort of r-rated movie my parents weren't into them i didn't have friends that were into them um or on very rare occasions so i had no exposure um 
How did you avoid R-rated movies in the 80s? If you were just walking down the street as a child, people would just hand you copies of it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you're way too young for this. Take it home, son. <laughs> I mean, probably what really happened was I think when I was eight, I discovered Robocop and I just never watched anything else. I just kept watching that over and over on loop. Um <laughs> That explains so much about you, Scott. <laughs> I was going to say, that's that's a completely excusable thing to have happen. Yeah, except uh, the problem is that RoboCop came out two years after Commando, so you should have already seen Commando before that happened. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it was just one of those things that I was never really that into action movies until, I would say, fairly recently, and I just I smacked my the shit out of myself for saying, like, this is inexcusable that I went my, you know, the first 30 years of my life without watching all of these great eighties classic action movies. And I've slowly been working my way through them, but I know that there are still gaps and, you know, commandos should, it comes ahead of all the other ones because yeah, all the other ones say. will make a little more sense after you've seen commando. You'd be like, Oh, that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, right explain explain to me what a, Commando is not a gap. Commando is like 80s action movies 101. Like it's a required class before you're allowed to go to the other ones. <laughs> so explain to me what an 80s action movie is, Scott. Like e- examples of what I think the, the just, good just ones are? Just like, be like, well, this is this is what makes up an 80s action movie. And then list off stuff you think should should definitely be in an 80s action movie. Oh, yeah, and I, I see exactly where you're going with this, but, I mean, you're going to have uh, – God, I don't even know. It's like some sort of a character, um, way too not, muscular. Not some sort of a character. A guy named John. You know the rules. <laughs> a guy named John. <laughs> Fair enough. A guy named John, super Baggy muscular, clothes. never should have been here. Um, bumbling cops don't know what they're all about or if we're not in the city no cops and instead we're in a jungle somewhere um, heavy artillery big guns one man against everything maybe some martial arts thrown in there as well I mean pretty much summed it up you've pretty much explained 5% of commando What's the other 95%? Oh, see, you don't know because you haven't watched it. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) The correct answer is Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying an entire tree on his shoulder during the opening credits. For no reason. For For no no reason reason. whatsoever. (laughs) And you think I'm exaggerating. No, it literally is an entire tree. Oh, no, no, that's I mean, I guess I should say that's the other thing I know about 80s action movies is there's nothing that's exaggerated like it. It happens. <laughs> it goes carrying a giant tree, feeding a deer with his daughter, <laughs> eating ice cream, having having, 8, having people like that's how they mess up the movie. Having that awkward scene where the daughter pushes the ice cream into his face and he has to laugh like, ah, I have ice cream on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott, this, Scott, this is the first same, five minutes of the movie. Same mall as Shopping Mall. That's another reason why yes. you get your shit together. Yep. Mm, nice. They filmed it a couple months before Shopping Mall. Wow. This is yeah, a I mean, I'm, perspective I, for me. You're you're not 
having to convince me. I mean, I, I'm already sold. I was sold before I ever came on the show. Like, but you didn't watch it yet. I, you're you're right. I was doing extra homework for this episode, but yeah, it's it's not a matter of Fuck I need to episode. be talked into it. <laughs> this episode sucked anyway. You should have done watched Commando. <laughs> Commando is to '80s action films what Chopping Mall is to '80s horror. I think that that's a very reasonable thing to say. <laughs> it is simultaneously mocks the shit out of action movies while being the best of them. It is fascinating that they're able to pull it off. That's 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 profoundly deep, Doug. God damn it. So now backwards spoiler alert, since I know we're recording this out of or out of order, but. To be fair, one of the movies that we talked about tonight, I would have rather gone and seen Commando than that. So if if that no. counts for anything. <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, next week, um, it's New Year's time. So Doug and Noah, Scott and Brian are exempt from this unless they want to participate on their own. <laughs> we're we're going to be covering Bloody New Year. And Ghostkeeper, two horror movies that take place on New Year's Eve. No idea what those are. Is that like Ghost Dog? No, it's not like Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog! <laughs> Ghost Dog! Ghost Dog! <laughs> Bloody New Year isn't the one we did a commentary track for already, is it? It's a no, that was, that's New Year's Evil. Okay, right. I checked. Wait, was, was Ghostkeeper, that's not the one that Anthony did, is it, Doug? I don't know. No. <laughs> I thought... There will never be an Anthony movie reviewed on this show. Never, ever. He did something titled similar to that. I don't remember. Who's Anthony? He's a filmmaker I used to host a podcast with. Cool. I feel like it's going to be disappointing because nobody's going to like kick open a door and have a katana. Yell ghost. You don't. You don't. You don't don't, don't know. You haven't watched it. You don't know that. You don't get ahead of yourself, Noah. You know how predictions get you in trouble. Just because this was made uh, 1981 uh, doesn't mean they don't have Ghost Dog in there somewhere. Listen, the words Ghost traveling. and Dog were written down for the first time way before 1981, so it's yeah. everything's possible. <laughs> Fucking time traveling. <laughs> time traveling Ghost Dog, yeah. Showing up in 70s movies being like, Ghost Dog! He would fit right in in 70s movies. No one would notice. Nope. <laughs> uh, Scott and Brian, uh, where can people find find out about your show and what is your show about? Um, yeah, so we do a show called uh, The Fresh Brains Podcast. Um, fairly new. We've been around, I don't know. Well, by the time this episode goes up, something like three years now we've been running. Um, (laughs) But no, we're uh, so Brian and I have been friends for a long time and he is only fairly recently getting into horror movies. So we've always kind of had fun watching movies together, uh, especially when I can introduce him to new stuff. So we decided to make a show out of it. So each week we kind of pick a new horror movie that he's never seen before, uh, sit down and kind of discuss why it's important or why people should care and then turn off the mics, watch it together and then turn the mics back on and kind of get his fresh take on, on some movies, some more modern, some classic, but 
kind of trying to take the bias out of it and just seeing like, do these movies hold up? Are they actually good? Or do we have too many rose tinted glasses? And I don't know. It's kind of interesting just to hear Brian's fresh take on, on new movies. What's the, uh, what's your new, what's the, what's your favorite new movie you've seen from doing this podcast, Brian? Um, I think it's still probably creeps. That was the the second one we watched, right? With the the circus, circus, or is it freaks? Freaks, freaks. That yeah. one still takes that the cake. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, hard to complain about that. Mm-hmm. You do you have to call him out though. He didn't like Halloween. Suspicious. I have an important question for Brian. Yeah. Where do you, where do you go all the time that you, Noah keeps having to come over and take over for you? Oh, come every second week Noah shows up on your show and I'm like, where the fuck? <laughs> I just I just suck. <laughs> okay. Doug still hasn't made an That's, appearance yet. Yeah, I'm not likable, so it's understandable. Please hand it over. We'll beat you up, so don't make it.